Welcome to the 401 Jake Show. Today's episode, we dive into non-qualified deferred comp plans and key man plans, policies. Look, we don't talk about insurance a lot in our world of 401ks. However, when your client is a business owner, this is something that can really make you valuable as a partner to their company and to them as a person. And bringing up the topic of what they're doing to protect themselves and their company from losses or changes to their executive team can really lock you in tight. So Brad Kadelski was with us today and he is an expert. He's got his own firm. He really knows this space well and I thought it'd be great to dive into the things that we need to know as 401k advisors when it involves executive compensation outside of the 401k. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome everybody to our expert club sesh. We have a great guest today, Brad. I'm going to mess up your last name, Brad Kadelski. Say it right. You got it. It's just yes. how it looks. Okay. <laughs> and, and Brad is an interesting guy I met uh, a few weeks ago in a space that I think a lot of us probably don't pay enough attention to. I was raised in the in investment world as part of a broker dealer that was owned by an insurance company. So insurance has always been kind of this weird element that I didn't have a lot of expertise in, but I was always around it. One thing I have found out over the years is I've had quite a few clients reach out to me about key men and non-qualified deferred comps. So other type of, of plans and, and components to executive compensation outside of the 401k world. Um, I did have an insurance license for a while. I let it lapse. I don't want to have, I don't have time to focus on insurance, but I had it for a while and I did do a few key man policies, just term policies owned by the business that cover the executive team. So I really felt like this topic was something we should touch on and talk about. And when I found Brad and the relationships he has, he has his own firm um, called Brookfield Insurance Partners, but he's also tied in with a couple of other different um, channels, including Alliant Insurance Services, which if you know um, Aaron um, Potagen out of Austin, who's a pretty loud 4K voice on LinkedIn, he also works at Alliant. So when I when I made the connection there and I talked to Brad, I was just really impressed. And I thought, you know what, Brad needs to come talk to the club and just give us some sort of a sense of what options to look out for so we don't really give away um, something that could at least be a good connection for you to make for your clients. So with that, I'll let Brad, if you want to give us a quick like two-minute background, how you yeah, sure. here, and then um, go yeah. into just teaching us. Yeah, so... To give a little bit of my background, this year marks the 20th year in my business uh, dealing with insurance. And um, we I focus on predominantly the executive benefits space at non-qualified benefits. Non-qualified benefits can be a, a bunch of different types of plans, whether it's split dollar life insurance, true non-qualified deferred compensation, key person protection. Um, and one of the things that Jake and I started talking about and one of the you know, pop, most popular topics that we talk about is uh, with business owners is how to retain that key employee to that business. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm not really concerned about life insurance with that key employee, because what's the probability or what's that statistic of them having a premature passing? Um, while it can happen, it is very few. I think really what a larger hot button is to many employers is well, how do I keep that key employee from going anywhere? You know, how can I golden handcuff and retain that key employee? And that's kind of what we focus on in the type of plans that we put together. Uh, most often those plans are used funding, uh, using a life insurance policy as a funding mechanism 
And really that's because it's got some interesting characteristics to it. Um, you can grow money on a tax deferred basis. You can take out money on a non-taxable basis using policy loans. Um, and it's really kind of the only product you can do that with. Many people think, well, what if we were to do an annuity or something like that? Well, you could use an annuity, but corporations don't have that same tax treatment with annuities that they do with life insurance. Could you use investment funds and in, um, just straight up investments? Yes, you could, but one of the downsides to that is all this money typically is gonna be on the employer's books uh, and any of that growth is gonna to continue to be taxed. Um, so this way, by using an insurance product, they're able to put that money in a tax, um, on a tax deferred basis. But then also, if something were to happen and they were to prematurely pass, the company's got a way to return some of the money that they've put into this type of thing. So it kind of has a dual purpose of both key person protection, but also providing that pot of money later down the road um, to tell that, you know, to tell that uh, key employee, like, hey, we're going to put maybe 10000 uh, a year for the next five years. And I know Jake's seen some of these plans, you know, that some of his competitors have talked about. And maybe 15 years down the road, if you do this, this, and this, you'll then be entitled to this chunk of money. Now, yeah. 401ks are, are gone. Real quick, Brad, I want to just add in. So this is a case, like the case that just hit my desk. Literally, it's a great client and the CEO, well, the owner is trying to incentivize the CEO to stick around. So they want to put the bonus in some sort of a golden handcuff, non-qualified plan. Well, he reached out to one of his buddies that that does, you know, insurance mainly. And then they put, put a pitch together. And then they also said, yeah, and we can have one of our competitors, one of the foreign key competitors we have manage the money for you. So I automatically, I had to jump right on this because this is a big threat to the client relationship because I don't want a competitor managing this money because that's another way they can kind of raise the way into the 401k. I want to protect that. So even if you don't want to be the one to, to put these plans in place yourself and you're not insurance licensed or don't have anyone on your team, you need to find partners to work with and that's the key here because you're going to, if you haven't had this happen, it's going to happen. Someone's going to bring up key man or, or this non-qualified idea. So, sorry, go ahead, Brad. I just want to tell everyone yeah, I have this. Yeah. And, I'm, and I mean, many of those people, um, you know, they might have an executive benefits space. You know, for instance, I know um, Hub, for instance, they have their own 401k division and then they have an executive benefits division and they're kind of working hand in hand. So if you don't have that other partner to kind of handle this, um, you know, it might kind of put you at a disadvantage in certain instances, in certain cases. And that's where I can help you and kind of partner with you to help you with your practice of talking about non-qualified benefits. Um, you know, many times people think, well, if we have a good, and not to knock a 401k, but if we have a good 401k program, it might retain that key employee. Um, if we have certain profit sharing components to it, we might be able to return that key employee. But by adding just another, you know, um, another hook into that employee through some sort of non-qualified benefit plan, we can really make sure that that employee's not going to want to leave us to another competitor. And, you know, that's really kind of your largest risk with those key employees. Yes. Could they have a premature passing? Absolutely. Could they have a premature illness, uh, you know, or have an illness at some point in their working career? Absolutely. Um, but I mean, really, when you look at all the things that happen with key employees, they end up losing them to competitors or it's another business owner, you know, business partner that's uh, might decide, you know what, I've had it and I'm going to go uh, start my own company and basically go directly into competition. Now, um, I was on an interesting call 
the other week where there's some legislation going on nationally right now where they're trying to basically end do not competes. Now in the law space, do not competes rarely kind of exists, but um, in the corporate world, we see a lot of do not competes. And if this legislation goes through, um, you know, you, you're going to see a lot of business owners saying, all right, if I can't have a non-compete, what am I going to do to make sure that those employees aren't going somewhere else? So what's the starting point? I mean, I, I think having this conversation with your, your client, and this is a part that I've always focused on is like, you got to go into their world, know what their problems are. And so hopefully right. this is a conversation you can have with them to say, what are you doing to keep and retain the key people and, and keep them safe? Because a non-qualified plan versus a key man, kind of two different goals, right? Like they're not Correct. necessarily, uh, yeah. I mean, so maybe to start there, give us some, what, what questions should we ask? How do we get that conversation started with the client, first of all? Yeah, I'd say the number one question to ask is, you know, do you have any programs in place to keep some of your key employees from going to another competitor? And just pause right there and let them talk. Um, and they'll, you know, and they'll be like, what do you mean, you know? What do, you, what do you mean? Do I have a program in place? Well, let me let me ask you, you know, what would happen if one of your key people were to leave to a to a competitor? Would that have an impact on your business? Um, would it make sense for you to set aside, you know, a percentage of their pay, you know, percentage of their pay each and every year and maybe dangle it out as a carrot 10 years in, into the future? Would that make sense? You know, um, and if they don't stay that 10 years or they don't meet certain requirements, you get to take that money back. You know, you don't have to give it to that key employee. Right. So it's kind of, I mean, just like we do with vesting schedules, it's kind of a similar concept where correct we're investing in this person, but both of us have skin in the game. Like they have to stick around. We're going to follow through. If they don't, we get it back. Right. What about the structure? So let's talk about that for a second. So my understanding is very similar. And I've only put a few non-qualified plans in place and I've done it very I would say probably the, the simplest format I could. I didn't involve an insurance company. So I want to talk about the differences there, but I sure. involved a third-party administrator to set up uh, a 409A, right? So that's the, the maybe you want to explain some of that if, if you want to, um, but yes. that's what I've dealt with. And when we set up the plan document, there's a lot of customization to that. And then we have the, the separate brokerage account where the company puts the funding and we invest it for them. Um, right that's one way of doing it, but tell me more. Yeah. So there, so, so some of the things to be concerned about with 409A plans and doing 409A is just, um, again, tax deferral is going to be a big thing. So you're not going to be able to tax defer that growth. Um, but there might be some ERISA requirements that you're going to fall into where you have to do this with so many of those key employees, or you got to pick and choose so many different employees. Whereas these non-qualified benefit plans using life insurance products, they're going into a piece of the tax code where we aren't governed um, by ERISA. So we, we can pick and choose certain, you know, we can pick one or two key employees. Right. So it doesn't have to be offered to everybody. That's a real big factor yeah. when you're trying to talk, well, there's cash balance option or ESOP option. Like you have to really deal with ERISA in those type of accounts, but, uh, or plans, but this doesn't have those same rules. And then you're also hitting on the point of insurance has the tax deferral component, right? Which is just right. the growth of the basis, really, the money that goes into the plan. Right. Would that be and, 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 and yeah, and actually, and also in regards to some of these insurance products, these aren't 
typically your off-the-shelf insurance products. These are more institutionally priced products, depending on the amount of lives. Um, where there's, you know, one of the downfalls that you'll get if you're doing one or two policies is that you're going to have to go through medical underwriting. And medical underwriting these days can be very difficult. Um, many of the carriers have simplified issue requirements. You know, if you're only doing it with a few people, they might be able to not have to have, they might not be required to do an exam. And, you know, I'd say if we're over 10 employees, many of the carriers that we work with will have a program where we can do it on a guaranteed issue basis. So there's no medical underwriting. Um, it's what we refer to as a census-based enrollment. So we're sending that census over to the carrier. They're issuing up to a certain amount um, with no underwriting. Okay. And that would be on the non-qualified deferred comp plan. You, the insurance component in there would still have underwriting. Uh, no, you, we could even do it up with a split dollar, you know, with new is if we have the numerous lives and we can group together those numerous lives, we can do something on a guaranteed issue uh, program. Okay. Okay. And are all non-qualified deferred comps, are they funded as you go? Or is it something that can be a liability that builds up and then they can fund it later? Yeah, I have not seen that. I mean, I, I suppose you could do that as an, you know, as an unfunded and then, or I mean, actually, I know, you can, I know you can do it and it, I know you can do it and it would be a liability down the road. Um, and it would be a liability that you got to post on your balance sheet. And then, you know, when you get 10 years out, you could pay that out of current cash flows. That's definitely an option. Um, but again, now you're posting something as a liability on your balance sheet with nothing to match to it. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's where the employee would be like, I want this funded as it goes because there's not the same ERISA rules protecting them in a non-qualified plan. Right. So, right. Th th we don't know what cash flows are going to be 10 years from now. And if we can't pay it, now we got a problem on our hands. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so starting point. So you start to have a conversation with your client and they say, yeah, we haven't done anything. We probably should. Then what, what should we do from there? My, my best advice would be, you know, to get someone like me on the line or get me on the line. And, you know, we have a call and do a little bit, you know, further digging, trying to figure out, well, how much do you want to set aside for those key employees? You know, what makes sense to you? What, you know, because now it's coming down to their own personal cash flows for the business. You know, do we take 5% of their, their salary? Typically, we'll see between 5 and 10% getting earmarked each year for a certain period of time. Um, in a, you know, above and beyond what they're already paying that key employee. Could they take money back from that key employee? Yes. Um, but usually this is something above and beyond. But sometimes we've seen, uh, we've had conversations where we're actually kind of split funding two different things. So we're doing one thing where the business owner is going to set aside this, you know, all right, I'm going to set aside 10,000 a year for the next 10 years. And we're going to have this bucket of money for you. But let me ask you, and this is where you're doing like a kind of a, a one-way deal. And I'm actually working on this with a buddy of mine who's, um, you know, he's doing pretty well in his own company. And, uh, you know, he doesn't need all of his money. So he wants to defer a piece of his money. So now we're, you know, instead of that employer just putting aside 10,000, now that employee's also agreed to put 10,000 aside each and every year. Um, of his own income and defer his own income. So he's not being taxed on it. Um, it but it's, it comes to company money, even though it'd be their compensation, right? It's not like a 401k deferral. Yeah, this will be company money. It's not going to be a 401k deferral. Yeah. 
They're just saying reduce um, and, my W-2 pay and put this amount into the non-qualified right. plan because I don't want to be taxed on it right now. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, then you put it into insurance products. So you'll, you do is this first step. Once I say, yes, I want to look at it. Then we do an illustration to kind of figure out who would be the key employee that would need to be a part of this. Right. From, a, from the owner's standpoint and every business can be different. Do you see trends on like different industries as this is, this is more common? Like would it? Uh, yeah. I mean, s- smaller, I mean, there's two different markets. There's people that are playing in the large market. Um, you know, large, you know, I'd say over a thousand employees. Um, I tend to not work so much in that space. We're typically working, I'd say up to a couple hundred employees. The smaller the business, I think the more critical this type of coverage is um, non-qualified because you might have a, you know, a 50 person company, but there's really probably three or four key rainmakers where this is, you know, if one of those people were to leave, it would have a dramatic impact on a company. You know, you take a company, um, you take a large company with 5,000 employees, you might have a few big key people in there, but they've already kind of got that plan to what's going to happen if they were to go away. What's going to happen, I, I think, more in those larger employer market cases is more of just your true non-qualified deferred compensation, where you have many key employees that are looking to set aside a portion of their salary each year. Right. And the only the key benefit there is it's not income in that year. It's not a, it, the right. growth will be taxed when you pull it, when you get paid. Yeah, and, and one of the downsides that you'll get from the employer is that they're not going to also get that deduction each year. So they're setting aside some of the employee's salary, but they're putting, they're keeping it in their own pockets, you know, depending on their tax status, you know, whether they're an S corp or a C corp, they might be paying corporate income tax. Um, but that money's going to grow tax deferred. And then when they pay it out, it's going to, um, they get to get that deduction at that point as compensation later down the road. Got it. Okay. So what would be the main benefit if someone's bouncing around between the idea of a brokerage account versus an insurance product inside of a non-qualified plan? What would you see? Is it just the deferred comp or the, sorry, the deferred tax growth um, or the, the deferred tax on that growth on the insurance product? Or is there other things that we should consider between the two? It's a combination of the defer, deferred tax and then also wrapping in that layer of key person insurance protection to um, protect that business owner. Because typically what you'll see in these plans is that obligation is there to that employee, um, even if they were to pass away in the meantime. So what I mean by that is, all right, we're going to set aside 10000 a year for the next 10 years. And we're going to have this pocket of money for you, hundred grand, 10 years down the road for you. But what happens, you know, now they have this obligation to pay a future amount to that key employee and to their family. So what happens if two years into this, he were to pass away prematurely? Well, by wrapping it into that life insurance, now the business owner is going to get paid back his money that he's put into this. But now he's also that promise to pay to that key employee's family. That's also getting paid out from that life insurance contract. Mm, Okay. So they both benefit. Yeah. Because if, if they've only put aside two years of pay and they have this future promise of a hundred thousand, where are they going to come up with that money? Right. You know, it's still that posted liability. So is that the most common way you see it where they're combined that way where it's a non-qualified plan and a key man policy? Because the one I've done the key man separate, I've never done them together. 
Is that more well, common? Th this is, yeah, using the, yeah. And what I'm referring to is more of like a split dollar life insurance plan. And those are the most common that you're going to see out there. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So, okay. So what should we, um, if we do find someone that already has something in place, is it a, is it a good thing for us to say, well, let's, let's review it and let's see if it's effective. I mean, if it's, yeah, let, let's right. look at how it's performing. I mean, uh, you know, many times people are using, you know, what we see and not, not to knock the product, but the products need to be managed just like you would manage an investment account. Um, but if they're index universal life or variable universal life, they should be getting reviewed and looked at many times. Unfortunately, you know, you might, um, you know, have a career insurance agent that put that plan in place and then never monitor it afterwards. Well, if you have some negative market years in there, especially, you know, in the early years, um, that policy might be not, that policy might not achieve what they're looking to have it achieve. Um, so reviewing that's definitely important. Is that um, like an annual review or how often are you saying look at it? I would say, you know, at the very least, I'd say every two years, to be honest. Okay. And so um, inside of, inside of those, I mean, who's, who's all involved? Like what's the team that is, really involved because i've always done with the tpa and then we just open a broker yep Tell yeah me so the, the yeah so are. the yeah so the carriers we work with tend to have their own administration internally for these types of programs um so the big carriers that we're working with for this that have these types of plans are john hancock lincoln principal securian um they're the major players in this non-qualified space uh, and they have their own administration for these split dollar plans um, where they're going to put all this out. You know, two carriers or the two most well-known carriers, I'd say, for this are Lincoln and Principal. Um, yeah, I've seen Principal quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. So so all of these, yeah, all of these are definitely big players in the 401k space too, which is interesting because I don't think they really connect the dots between 401k and and non yeah it's it's a struggle i'd say principal is one of the biggest carriers that's really trying to fix that and figure that out you know they got this thing they call principal one where you have their life insurance division talking to their disability division talking to their 401k because if you're talking with business owners all those things kind of take place together um you know so you would think these carrier representatives you know for these different product lines would communicate more together <laughs> right so do you think is most opportunities for these plans through like the PNC agent more, I would say more so than a 401k person or where, where do you get the, where do, where do businesses turn to for this help? Just like naturally. Um, naturally, you know, I'd say in that middle market type of company, they're naturally going to their employee benefits firm that they're working with that does their group health because they think like, oh, well, they do the health insurance and the group disability. So that's probably the guy, you know, to do something with insurance. Um, you know, they tend to have a misunderstanding. And I would say that a lot of those uh, big firms, even though they do have an executive benefits division to them, some of them, they also don't work properly together. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of miscommunication that goes on. Okay. Because those, yeah, those channels are, are some that I always talk about is you got your PNC agent, you got your health benefits, employee benefits 
broker, consultant, and then payroll. Like those, those kind of play in our same world. And one of the 401k is a, a piece of all of those in some way. Uh, yeah. Well, more so the benefits and the payroll piece are need to be talking to each other. But um, this is another whole, I guess, niche into that benefit space that is really, I think, a valuable option for you to bring up, but you need to have the right people connected. Cause if you're trying to be doing all this and 401k, like you're going to struggle. Like I would never recommend that you should become, you know, a non-qualified expert and then still try to be a 401k expert. Cause it's, it's a lot. I mean, would you agree? Right. Brad? <laughs> like, uh, Absolutely. I mean, do I know a little bit about 401ks from being in the industry for many years? Absolutely. But I mean, I couldn't begin to, you know, not only just the issues of ERISA out there. I mean, I can't even figure out the investment side of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole, I mean, it's a whole world by itself. It's enough for us. So the right. reason I thought it'd be really important to bring you in here is because we have clients and we're trying to do our best to help them. And a lot of times that help is outside of what we are experts in. And this is one area that I, I really think should be something that you bring up in your end reviews. And it's not that hard. Like Brad said, just ask what they're doing to protect the key people. Um, and you'd be surprised at how many haven't even thought it through. <laughs> but can right. you imagine on the other side of this, if something did happen to that keepers and they left or something terrible happened to them and you had put something in place for them? I mean, how locked in is that client for life? Because you, you really put them in a good place. And yeah. Sometimes that's that's a good thing for being a fiduciary as we are, you know, to say this is this is a really important thing. And I'm not, I don't have any like financial reason to bring it up other than I want to see you succeed and not have any big road bumps in the way, you know. So what else, what else would you add? Because I want to Yeah, I and I mean you're you're also protecting and insulating your own business by having that conversation to keep, you know that local, uh, you know, guardian guy, Northwestern guy, New York life guy from coming into that business owner and bringing up that same conversation, um, you know, because you very well know that even those career agencies, they're focused on looking for this type of stuff, but they also, you know, nowadays do 401k planning. And if they can try to grab that, they're going to try to grab it. Yeah. Everybody's going to try to take a different angle and say, so that's why I think our angle should be experts in what we are doing because someone that's just dabbling in 401k is going to run into problems. It's the same if you try to dabble in this, so partner with the right people is going to be- Hey, Jake. Yes. Hey, quick question. Is it is it true that this really only works in an S-corp or C-corp and anyone who's taxed is like a, a partnership at, um, you know, a non-call really isn't a fit for, or is there their workarounds depending on the entity type? So I think what you're referring to is whether- you know, being an S-corp or a C-corp for something for the business owner. When we're talking the business owner, that's a little bit different of a conversation. Um, they're not going to get some of the same tax treatments, especially in these flow-through S-corp LLCs. What I've typically been talking about here is with key employees that are non-business owners. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for listening to the episode. Brad is one of the most knowledgeable people in this space. Hope you enjoyed it. Connect with him. Also, the club is open. So if you want to be a part of these conversations, we go on after this recording and we have Q&A and trying to get to the details of our clients' needs to make sure that in the club, we're helping each other. We want to help each other win. We want to help our clients win. And most importantly, we want to spend more time with our families. So check it out, forumclub.com. Make sure you text me if you want to hear about other things that we're doing in the club. It's 385-220-8548. 
talk to you soon.